Welcome to Season 7 of Spotlight on the Arts, the musical theatre series. Join us as we chat with industry professionals, members of the Sydney Catholic School's arts team and artists in residence who give us a backstage pass to the world of musical theatre. Season 7 kicks off 2022 with a focus on musical theatre as we return to stages across the country. Southern Cross Catholic College Performing Arts School launches its inaugural musical fame. Sydney Catholic Schools launches the Archdiocesan Extravaganza School of Rock with performances at Kudos Bank Arena later this year. In the past two years of remote learning, six seasons and 60 episodes later, our first episode is a compilation of Australian musical theatre legends and performers from previous seasons. Our first flashback is from Season 1, Episode 7, featuring the fabulous Karen Johnson Mortimer, one of Australia's leading directors and choreographers, currently directing the musical 9 to 5, with other credits including My Fair Lady, Wicked, Pippard, and the 2000 Sydney Olympic opening ceremony. So what's the difference between associate, resident and directing? The director is the one that has the vision. The associate, nine times out of ten, can be working with the director at that time for the vision and creating it together or come in after it's been produced at one theatre or one country and then come in and help with, you know, sort of change. continuity. Residents, nine times out of ten, are there to make sure the production stays as the director or associate left it. Right. So that's where it goes. But regardless, on any production, the the top of the tree, as far as having to have everything, you know, just as it should be, is the director. So the director, then down, even the resident director, the choreographer, the resident comes to them, production, they're responsible. They're the roles of the creative team. That's it. To that's the it. Director. Yeah. Well, in the case of My Fair Lady, with Dame Julie, who I work with very closely... She recreated the production that she was a star of in 1956. So it was a mammoth task and and her memory of things and um, attention to detail was absolutely spectacular. But she depended on myself and Chris Catelli, the famous Broadway choreographer, to help her revitalise. I look at the archival photos of the original and our production mirrored it. Wow. Mirrored it. Absolutely. It was beautiful. And as I said, Julie's attention to detail, her her memory and her great affection and thanks for Mosshart, who was the original director of Fair Lady, shone through. She was very true to his original vision. Let's digress from the plan here. How important to your career was that season of being able to work with Dame Jolly, what impact did that have on you as a performer, as an artist? I think one of the main things that I got out of it was working with someone who had the greatest respect for every single person on that production and the greatest sense of collaboration. Nobody's ideas were thrown out the window. Everybody was listened to. Julie was the dictionary, I mean. that Just the respect... 
that was given in that production was something to behold as far as you only bring out the best in people if you let them fly and let them speak. But it was just generosity. And it just brought home to me how true you will get the best and the most talented people that are let have a voice and let have a play. We were all very lucky to be in the room, to be uh, the rehearsal room. That was fantastic, you know, just working through there and then to get to opening night. We were incredibly blessed to have that opportunity. We move on from the stage shows where you've directed a number of large-scale productions and opening ceremonies including the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Tell us a little bit about how you had to apply your skill set in a completely different arena from stage to stadium. When David Atkins first rang me and asked me, said I think there's a section of the opening ceremony that would really suit you and uh, that to choreograph and it was Tin Symphony. So it was the Ned Kelly section and obviously there was a lot of Irish heritage in that so there was a lot of opportunities for raucous Australian bush Irish dancing. Then is delivered a team that come from overseas that have worked on Olympics before and the first meeting that we had they sat down and they said okay this is the story. Get into the first meeting and it was Doug Jack who sort of oversaw all the choreography the choreographers and the planning and the staging, how it would work. He was used to working giant stadiums. But the first thing he said, he said, okay, dream big. Don't think there's anything that you can have in your head at the moment visualising something on here that we can't possibly achieve. That's how he did it before we even got to auditions. The music was created. It was original music for our piece. So the minute that happened, that's how I work with choreography. The first thing you need to have the music for me to just inspire me to go anywhere. So by the time that you cast and got into rehearsals, you had to do it in blocks. So that's how it was done. Our next grab comes from director and choreographer Sally Dashwood, new to the arts team this year. Sally joins our team as an artist in residence and has previously been our resident choreographer for the Let's Dance program. In season five, episode 10, Sally reflects on her experience of performing in the musical Fame. Southern Cross Catholic College Performing Arts School is performing the musical Fame Junior. Check the Casper website to see where you can buy your pay-per-view tickets premiering on April 6th. I just went to class five times a week and I worked really hard and eventually I think enough people went, oh, hey, she's got the goods and she's a hard worker and she seems like a nice person. And I think that's probably why I got what I think of as my first big break, which was Fame the Musical with Kelly Abbey as director and choreographer. If you want to get a big contract or any gig as a dancer, you need to have the level of strength and fitness to support that. You need to be training all the time. Plus, it's a great way to network in a really kind of good, wholesome way where you're face-to-face, you're creating a relationship with a choreographer. Connect every single bit of movement back to what the theme is always. I think that's important in musical theatre. You might think that you're just a person carrying a book, walking down a hallway in a scene. If you connect that to what your character is doing, then the story is going to hit the audience in the face a bit more. Also, look at what's happening in the scene. 
Think about what time the musical is set. This is kind of, I guess, general great advice for any musical theatre performer. Yeah. What's happening in the world at the time that the musical is set? Don't stop researching. Don't go, oh, I'm in the ensemble and be happy with that. No, you're an integral part of the musical, so give your character a name. Give them a backstory. Find relationships with other characters. And the more that that happens within a show, the more we feel what you're feeling and therefore you've, I don't know, touched your audience and done something really good. And then it's more fun as well. Up next is the beautiful Bev Kennedy from Season 5, Episode 8, one of Australia's leading musical directors and accompanists, having worked on over 30 professional productions, including We Will Rock You, The Lion King and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Tune in to hear Bev's experiences of working in an orchestra pit. School of Rock the Musical will be performed by Sydney Catholic Schools at Kudos Bank Arena from October 9 to 12. Registrations are now open for auditions for lead roles, featured ensembles and the pit band. Be sure to check our socials to find out how to be a part of the show. Every experience is a learning one. And of course, there's been some highlights. I've I've loved having the opportunity to play with orchestras. That's just such a beautiful, rewarding experience to be working with so many other musicians. Quite often you play in an orchestra pit and a lot of the time audiences don't even know that there's a live band there and you'll have 2,000 people out there. Mm-hmm. They're still experiencing the beauty and the magic of of a live theatre, but it can be quite anonymous. But at the same time, you you don't know the effect that it it may have on someone who's experiencing music or a live show for the first time. But I think one of the things that I I really love about theatre and again, is that it, it's a community, you know, and it's, it's like a little reflection of, of what society should be and, and society working together and everyone having their place, but working together as a team, communicating with the other creatives who are the choreographer and the director and the producers and the stage management and all the the crew, the sound people, the lighting people, to make sure that what I need to make musical side of it comes alive, that everyone is in, in agreement with. Mm-hmm. So communication is is a a very key element, and to keep everyone happy. But having worked on many music theatre shows, I have always played electronic keyboards. There are different sounds on these keyboards or synthesizers, and we have what are called patches, and these patches simulate different sounds. Quite often in orchestra pits, they have what are called reduced orchestrations. So you'll have maybe two or three keyboards covering a whole bulk of a what would normally be a full 40-piece orchestra. But, of course, producers just don't have the money to to pay for that sort of number of real live musicians these days. And plus there isn't the space in a lot of theatres. On the last show I worked on, I had what were over 300 patches that I had to scroll through and I would have to play brass parts, to play string parts, a harp, a celeste, percussion. What that means is that I have to think 
like those musicians. Um, how would a string player bow and phrase? And I have to listen to the, the real string players and I have to listen to the brass players and play with where they breathe. The same with a harp player. How would they phrase an arpeggio? So in a lot of ways, extended my understanding and knowledge of other instruments and how an orchestra actually works and thinking like those musicians. That's been incredible. It's such a wonderful challenge. Set design, production and stage management play an integral role in delivering the vision or intent of a musical. Australian producer, company manager and puppet creative Graham Hatton shines a light on behind the scenes and the importance of collaboration in the creative process from season one, episode three. There is a great opportunity for VET entertainment and drama students to form part of the production crew for the School of Rock musical. Check the CASPER website and socials for more details. And somebody's um, engaged me to create something. It's much easier when there's a deadline and there's a, a purpose. I find it easier to work with people. Like I don't, I'm not good at working in a vacuum and creating my own shows, TV shows or event ideas or whatever. So I've got a group of people that work with me who are great at helping me. I'll always drag someone into the creative process and I will always want to have a group of people working with me. Um, so I think that helps. And I also sought out people who had similar interests. I would attach myself to a local musical society or a community drama group that do shows in theatres and try and start getting involved in that side of it, painting the sets or buying props or being the stage manager or doing whatever you can, I think. You can always potentially attach yourself, depending on who you talk to, to you know smaller local theatre companies. Yeah, well, and then there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more courses now than was around when I finished. So 30 years ago, NIDA was pretty much it for anyone who wanted to do technical theatre and maybe a little bit of VCA. But now you can go and do some major courses at WAPA, all of the universities actually, QUT. There's stage management production courses in most of the major universities now. A lot of the shows we were doing... I mean, it was automated scenery, but it was, you know, the technology behind all that now is much better. We Now shows are called with time code. But I guess the analogue version of calling a show is having the script in front of you with the music and the words and, and the stage manager calls every single cue and everything that happens comes out of that person's mouth whilst they're watching video screens of what's happening on stage or what the musical director's doing. So that's still... They, I mean, stage managers still call shows. It's just as technology takes over a bit more, it just streams lines it a bit. It doesn't make it less hectic, I don't think.